Dog Bless You is brought to you by Button Up Box. We love our dogs and want them to be as healthy and as happy as possible. What do dogs want? Love and a delicious dinner, of course. Button Up Box and Wild Heart Foundation have an amazing relationship because we really do care about what our dogs eat. And it's all thanks to a certain rescue called Rudy. Rudy was in a really bad way. Her skin was sore and itchy, her energy was low, and then there were her farts. Absolutely foul. So co-founder and proud owner, Dave, started making her meals from scratch, gently cooking healthy home ingredients. Rudy, within weeks, recovered with more energy, healthy skin, and those farts, all gone. After developing the perfect recipe of 60% meat and 40% vegetables and none of the nasties along with colleague Kev, Button Up Box was born. What I love best is they actually taste the meals themselves and each portion is customized to suit your individual dog's needs. Button Up Box believes dogs deserve better and listeners of Dog Bless You can get 75% off their first two weeks of Button Up Box meals. Just go to buttonupbox.com slash W-A-H-F to apply. And for each new order using this link, an amazing £20 will go to the Wild at Heart Foundation. That's buttonutbox.com slash W-A-H-F. So help rescue a dog today by treating your dog to some fresh, gently cooked meals from Button Up Box. Proud sponsors of Dog Bless You. And welcome to Dog Bless You, the podcast about rescue dogs, the Wild at Heart Foundation charity, and our love of dogs in general. I'm your host, Nikki Tibbles, and in this series, we'll speak to people about their experiences with their companions and how a dog can change your life for the better. But we'll also hear some harrowing stories about the lives of some dogs here in the UK and around the world. And more importantly, we'll tell you how you can help end that. But for now, let's meet today's guest. Right now, I'd like to introduce you to our guest this week. She is radio and TV broadcaster and can be heard Monday to Friday afternoon on BBC Radio London. And most importantly, she hosts the Barking Hour within her show. Um, welcome, Joe Good. Thank, thank you, you thank so you. much. Should we tell everyone that's not sound effects? That is actually a dog barking. Yeah, in the background. <laughs> this is um, the biggest dog actually I've ever had in my life. Given that I have had Lenny is sixty-five kilos, I am wow. fostering a dog that is over sixty-five kilos, Mado from Romania, who is the most amazing soul. But he has got a great bark. He's mate. got a great bark. And he greeted me. He's the size of a Shetland yes, pony. He is. Isn't you he? could ride him. Yep, easily. Yep. Easily ride him. <laughs> so, Joe, I'm, I'm very honoured to have you here today because Barking Hour is the only radio programme dedicated to the most important thing in my life yeah. dogs. And I know it's a great most important thing for you also in your life. So tell me a little bit about how it started and how it came to be. It, oh gosh, Nikki, it is, it, it, it's a fawn in the BBC's side because I think when I started it, I was on a late night programme where I was given free reign to literally do anything I wanted. 
And, um, but it was a four hour show on what they call the graveyard shift um, with no production. So I had a, a producer who would take phone calls, but no input whatsoever. I had to, f I had to fill the show basically. Right. And um, I just got my own bulldog puppy, and that's a long story, a British bulldog. I know you're going to question my choice of breed, and so do I now. If I knew what I knew then, I would not have got a British bulldog, but that's a whole different story. Mm. Um, and uh, I don't judge. I'll never judge. I know. Having, you a, don't dog, actually, having a dog is enough for me. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so, but there are, you know, there are, there are cautionary tales, but, yes. um, but I like to think the barking hour actually has made some headway in that breed. But um, I was sent by the BBC to do an Inside Out, a short documentary on women who have dogs as surrogate children, which I think they saw me in that category. <laughs> and the first person I interviewed was a girl called Anna Webb, who yes. very much admits to having uh, a dog as a surrogate child. And we started a friendship, and I then said to her, look, I think there's something in this dog um, uh, subject. Um, I think you should come on and talk about um, dogs, you know, yeah. once a week, for two hours, two hours, Nikki, it right. was originally, in the middle of the night. Nobody knew we were doing it yes. because the people who listened to it. was on about 11, us, wasn't oh, it? Oh, yes. yes. It was on at 11 yeah. until 1 in the morning. Yeah. And um, it, I listened. It was, <laughs> well, we just, we because she she has taught me so much, Anna, um, we could just fill it. And, and we would open the phone lines. The show was made up of phone calls, people yes. phoning up saying, what can I do about this? What can I do about I need, I want to rescue a dog or should I go to a breeder, blah, blah, blah. We then, and this one of our um, most avid listeners was the head of Island Records, a guy called Steve Pitron, right. who is a massive dog lover. Yeah. And he said, how would you like Robbie Williams on your show? Because Robbie Williams has a pack. Yes. Now, have you interviewed Robbie? Not yet, but You've we're to. hoping to. But I, I mean, I, I have been lucky enough to meet him because in my other life, you know, I do flowers. Yes. So I used to go to his house when he lived in um, Lansdowne, Lansdowne Road, Notting Hill. Um, and he had a Rottweiler puppy called Missy actually oh. also but now I know he lives in LA he's got a pack of rescue yeah. dogs he's an amazing he animal advocate and he so yeah and he agreed to come on the show would you believe Fantastic. with um, a couple of the dogs so he came on the show um, and then this Steve Pitron brought in Macy Gray she came right. on the show Mika all these people would come on in the middle of the night because yeah. they were coming back from gigs or whatever and they would bring their dogs in and there was no problem there was i shouldn't really say this the security <laughs> in those days yeah. wasn't that stringent and they would just get in yeah. and we'd get them in no one would know you know what we were doing at night apart from this canine posse of listening fans including yourself and it became the BBC has this system of discovering how many people listen, which is called Rajar. It suddenly spiked our Rajar in the middle of the night. They couldn't work out what was going on, that we had an international audience, basically, online. And it was the dog. It was the, We were call, calling it Barking at the Moon in right. those days. Yes. Yeah. Um, and so that was a huge success. Uh, I was then, Danny Baker left the radio station. I was given his radio slot, which was a huge compliment. And I said, I will only do it if I can yeah. still do the barking hour. So we took it down to an hour. The boss said, yes, okay, but no dogs, which was a, a real problem. But you did have your dogs. We did. You, we, you, we used to we take got your dogs in. into the show. Yeah. The very first time, because 
I've been very fortunate to be on your show twice. Very honored, very fortunate, so thank you. And I remember the first time I came in, Anna was there and you both had your dogs and you had your bulldog. I had my bulldog and she had her bull terrier. Yeah. Um, and then someone on news was allergic so those days, always, someone. always someone's allergic. Peanuts and dogs. I know, exactly. So the dogs, so our way around it, Nikki, is on a good day, we still do the barking hour with dogs, but we do it on the, on the piazza where the one show set is. Right. So we do it outside. All the listeners bring their dogs. We bring yep. our dogs. Amazing. It's and people like, you know, we have people like George Alagaya, Mariella Frostrup, all these people walking past, just joining in because yep. they're dog lovers and they love it. It's incredible. I mean, you know, we are a nation of dog lovers, so there is absolutely no reason whatsoever to think that just even one hour a day <laughs> is <you> enough. Know, <laughs> that's what I think. When I see people like those uh, hardcore news journos going into the BBC building, when they pass our dog show mm. and everyone just having a laugh, they burst into smiles. And I just think, there you go, that's the proof that just watching a dog, patting a dog, you know, outside on a BBC territory can yes. make you relax, can make yes. you smile before you have to go in and present some horrendous news headline. Yes, and we all know the benefits of having dogs in our lives. And just while we're on the talking, I want to talk about you and, and your dogs and mm. your life and your experiences with your dogs, but just still talking about your radio programme because you will have interviewed and had on the Barking Hour or Barking at the Moon, so many incredible people. Out of, and for all the years that you've been doing this, who and what, or what message, or what interview out of so many will have stood out for you as either a life-changing or something life-affirming, life-affirming, or interesting, or has actually made you think, whoa, what? I so don't agree with that, or, just just any anything that there are i mean i i've met through dogs i've met people oh, celebrities i hate using that word that i would never have met they would never have come on my show to talk about their lives but if i say come on my show and talk about your dogs they're in like a shot you know yeah. that yeah um <laughs> i'm there <laughs> absolutely i mean i would never have got to you otherwise but they you know people go yep yeah, of course i'll come in and talk about the dog and there are so many i think one of the interviews I absolutely loved because I was, I, I couldn't, he was a, he was an art uh, historian called Brian Sewell. I don't know if you remember yes, him. Yeah. Yes. He's no longer with us. And yes. I, he was very posh and I, I was a big chap, very big chap. And I used to hear him on Radio 4 and think, oh my God, you're so posh. And I yeah. But anyway, oh my God, I fell in love with him because I remember he came in and said that um, he rescued dogs and um, he'd got... All, this, all these artefacts that were worth a fortune in his house. And he came home once and a dog that he'd only rescued, similar to the dog you've got here, that was settling in, had only been there about three days. He came home to find he had eaten um, a first edition Charles Dickens. <laughs> and he said, all Oops. I could do <laughs> was laugh. And I went, you are joking. And he went, no, he said, because I realized they made the spine in those days out of hide. And he went, oh, this dog right. had sort of gone through the bookcase <laughs> to find the smelliest and tastiest and just eaten little Dorrit. I mean, it's, isn't, and I That's just brilliant. thought, good that, choice of book. Good choice good of, good book. Choice of but book. Only a dog lover would forgive a dog. Yes. Um, and yes. then there are I these, uh, there are 
do, have you, do you know Anna Pasternak? Yes, so, I know of her. Yes, so yeah. she obviously is, you know, part of the whole Russian literati dynasty and herself an author and um, a journalist. And I remember her coming in to talk about, which I'm sure you've had to deal with and you've spoken to people about the death of their dog. And I remember her saying that she'd lost people in her family, but when she lost her dog, it didn't compare because it was the chapters of everything that had happened to, to her personal life. The dog had seen everything. And she said, I couldn't, she said, I wore this nightie for weeks. I couldn't actually do anything. I couldn't dress. She said, I couldn't do anything. And it was her editor who said, or her agent said, if you don't pull yourself together, your career is going to go. You've got to pull yourself together. And she said, I just, she went, I was probably the bleakest I've ever been through yes. anything in my life yeah. over the, you know, and she had a child, she had all these things to live for. And I just remember her telling me about that. And I, and it's something I dread. You've been through it. I will go through it. And, um, and it, and it is, mm. I completely understand. And, you know, I had, I mean, a dog, I've had dogs all my life, as you mm. know, but Maisie, one of my Ridgeback rescues from Battersea Dogs Home, actually, when Maisie passed away, it was categorically the worst day of my life. I mean, I was inconsolable for months. And funnily enough, or well, not funny enough, it's not funny at all, actually, but my mother had passed away recently. Mm. And that was bad. But my mum had been poorly and my father had died 10 years before my mum and they'd been together since they were 16 and my mum wasn't happy and they're very Catholic and it was sort mm. of like my mum said to me the morning that she died, I'm going to see your father tonight. Mm. And I was like, yes. yes. Do you know what? Great. It makes sense. That all makes sense. So, you know, without going into too much detail, I bought my mum this amazing dress. I put perfume in her coffin. I wrote a letter to my dad. You know, it was amazing. I took my dogs to see her because mm. she loved them. But when Maisie died, I mean, I really was absolutely, it's the worst thing that happened. Mm. It was it was worse than anything. And I think that, you know, there's, we spend so much time, we spend more time with our dogs than we do with anyone else. They are so constant. They are there for us. And as you were saying with Anna, they go through all these things. My dog, Maisie, came through my divorce, yeah. through changes in my business. And, yeah. And, and they're just this unconditional love that they have for you as well. You know, it, it actually seeps so deep into your heart. It totally it does. Is, it's heartbreaking. But the one, the one thing I would say about that is there is nothing ever in my being that would not have another dog. Because I meet so many people and we're saying, you know, have a dog, would you consider rescuing your dog? Oh, no, I couldn't. I lost my dog two years ago. I could never do it again. But the joy that Maisie and your dog and everyone's dog brings into their life, I would go through that pain 50 God. times over. Would you? Oh, God, I get so absolutely. emotional. Sorry. Um, no, yes. <laughs> Sorry. I, I think I, I hear what you say because um, Anna Webb, who works with me on The Barking Hour, says it's the hair of the dog. She said, you, you literally... Get another. Well, either you grieve and you never get another one, and there yeah. are people, as you say, who, but you get another one, and and you don't compare. You mm. won't compare because yes. they're so individual, and it is the hair of the dog. And I, but everything you're saying, I mean, 
you know, my dog Matilda is the culmination of 11 years of my life. She's yeah. seen, and like you, so much tragedy and joy and job career changes and everything else, yeah. and she's just sat there and seen it. Yes. And non-judgmental. Non together, you've done yeah. it, you've through it together. Absolutely. Yeah. So that brings us on to Matilda. Yes. Mm. <laughs> and you said earlier that had you, or what you know now, would you maybe not have chosen her as a breed or, because she's a bulldog, French bulldog? British. British bulldog, yes. So. I, I was, when I got her, I think I was everything, you, you, you are non-judgmental, but you would have despised my reasons for getting Matilda, and I despise them. I was with my partner, who's no longer with us, um, in Union Square in New York, and there was a white bulldog on a skateboard, and Jeez. I said, I know, and the I went, famous one. Exactly. <laughs> no, exactly. There is a famous one. There is a famous one, on and I'm sure yeah. that was probably the one. And I just went, I'd, I'd like that. I mean, how horrendous. Now, what I've learned now, I just thought, oh my God, you know, this consumer society, see, want, get. That's yes. what I did. No research. And um, I, I took a, uh, we went to a breeder. Um, oh gosh, it's another thing. I think we found the breeder online. Everything I tell people never to do. Yep. Um, never go online. But we didn't know. I we had no known. idea. We really. had no idea. Did we? Especially yes. eleven years ago. And yep. um, so, thank heaven, she was a really responsible breeder. You know, of British bulldogs, but she was a responsible breeder. Um, got Matilda. Got her back. And my vet is Bruce Fogel. Yes, who I know very well. Wonderful mm -hmm. man. Yes. Well, twenty-five years uh, I've known him. Amazing man. And he we still cries Bruce about his dog. He, if you ask him about the dog he operated on, and he had to euthanize his own dog, he just there are tears. Right. I mean, he's another one, and yet he's got three dogs since that one. Yeah. But um, yes, yeah, so he's my that vet. Would be hard to do. Oh gosh. It? And it was a young dog. He didn't know. He thought there was a stomach problem. He didn't know. And he said, you know, I operated on her and just saw that she had cancer. Just, well, awful. Awful. And he's such a kind man. Because when I took Matilda there, the clues were there with this breed. He said, um, she's, a, she's a lovely puppy. He said, but she's going to have to have her soft palate done. And I said, what do you mean? And he said, this is part of the breed. They're, they're bred so that their heads are squashed. Yeah. And the soft palate is all looped up and she won't be able to breathe. And the, there's going to come a time when she's going to have to have that done. And I, even then, I just thought, oh, all right, then. I'll I never thought, yeah. well, what on earth are they doing to these dogs that this should happen? Well, what was their original job the British Bulldogs to bring to bring down bulls to bring that's down why bulls. they have the creases right. so the they could bring a, a bull to the floor you know if they were sent out hunting and they were as a pack as a pack but yeah. if you look at the Victorian the really the true Victorian Bulldogs are stunning yes. in fact they're very different oh looking, my aren't they? god they've got a yeah. snout a long yeah. snout long legs they haven't got this bow legged um, yeah. And it's, yeah, we've bred them into being like footstools. Yes. Um, anyway, so Bruce took her home. Bruce took her, so she spent her first night in Bruce Fergal's house with his wife, Julia Foster. Yes. I was always, I always thought, oh gosh, Matilda, I wish you could speak. I'd love to know what <laughs> life was like there. He took her home because he wanted to keep an eye on her because of her breathing. Huh. Um, and then she had that operation and touch wood, she's been fine. Yes. But she had that as a very young dog. And I also learned through the barking hour so many things about how to 
you know, I feed my dog raw. Um, I'm going to say things that are really controversial now, Nikki, and I know you won't agree with, but I'm going to say them. I don't immunise her. Uh, I had her. No, Im I, I, do you I, not? I'm good with that. We don't. I so mean, you have them down, but you don't boost her? No. No, same here. No. Never boost her. No. Um, and um, I will try and. Too many chemicals. Oh my God, they don't need Everything. it. So there is a thing called a titer test. So if you are yeah. concerned, you can have a titer test. The only yes. thing with not boostering is you can't. You know, I, I, went, I took her to Paris with Anna and we can never do that again now because her passport's run out because of the immunity. She, hit, right. you know, um, she hasn't been boosted, so you can't travel abroad with no. them. But you can have a titer test to check they're still... But they should be immune for life, basically, if you yes. have them. Um, but I've learned things, you know. I've, I keep her very underweight. She's like the only bulldog you'll see with a, with a waist. Yes. And even at 11, she can run like a whippet. Yeah. Um, and she is very beautiful. And she is. But she's now deaf and dentally challenged, right. as I am, Nikki. Yeah. We're both <laughs> losing teeth. And I'm actually getting more and more deaf the louder I put my headphones on. So, um, oh. yeah, so we're travelling together, this yes. little unit, she and I. And you go everywhere together. We go. But do you know something? This sounds so pretentious. Julian Clary, who's a friend of mine, who you should get on this podcast, yes. he, he's someone else who'll do anything him. for dogs. He'll do yes, anything. of course. He's got oh, rescue rescues. Dogs. Yes. Yep. And he's looking, Julian this is Clary. between you and I, We're reaching out to you. for another rescue because oh, is he? Valerie passed away. So he's oh. now only got Albert. Right. So he keeps thinking about getting another rescue. Well, maybe we, we need to nudge him. him. We could help him with that. Yeah, exactly. But he said to me, and I love it, when Valerie was getting old, he said to me, there's something sweet about dogs getting old. Yes. And I thought, what a great way of putting it. Yeah. There is, isn't there? Well, isn't there something sweet about us all getting old? Oh, God. I mean, um, it would be a nice way of looking at yes, it. Yes, I'm trying to As much as I it. fight it. <laughs> but I think, I mean, I yes, I mean, I, I see my dogs. I've got, you know, I've got six. My six so big rescue, and three of them are definitely the sort of ending of you know. Lenny is now ten and a half. So they're going grey around the muzzle. Yeah, well, Lenny has a white face, so he lo still looks quite young because you can't see grey. But Tia's a black hunting dog cross, and she's definitely grey around her uh, entire face. Smith's red, so he doesn't look so old either. But they're 13, 12 and 10 and a half. So can I ask you this? I, my dream is to have a pack. Yes. You know, when it all ends at the BBC, I want yeah. to live in a field in a hut. <laughs> when it all ends but, at the BBC. Yes. <laughs> Seriously. I'm going to have Don't a Don't ever pack. leave. <laughs> but I'd love a pack. Yes. The reason is, I think you see the true personality of the dog against the other dogs. Their personality is shown within a pack. Would you agree? Um, would I agree with that? I, I think... I'm, do you know, I'm not sure because I think some... It depends. I guess it depends on the dogs within the pack because some of them become more submissive, like my little Rita from Puerto Rico. She's the youngest and she's definitely the most submissive. But as she's coming into her own, she's getting sort of more confident. And as the dogs get older, they get slightly more tired, so they have less sort of patience with, with yeah. Rita, for example. But I, I'm not entirely sure. I think the number of the pack, I think six is a lot. I think an ideal number is probably three or four, and then maybe 
dogs' identities would be allowed to shine more. But I think, you know, all of my dogs are completely different. Mm. I mean, and so to that end, yes, they're all completely different. A absolutely chalk and cheese, every mm. single one of them. Lenny, quite happy sitting on a sofa all day, every day, doesn't want to get up till midday. Rita up at five o'clock every morning, doesn't stop running, Ruby chasing balls all day. I mean, they are all very, very different, but they all do love each other, which is quite sweet. Yeah. And they all do get on, which I'm very fortunate. I mean, we've had our moments um, where they haven't been quite so happy together, but um, you know, they're, they're, as a pack, yes. And I mean, I would advocate people having as many dogs oh, as yeah. they absolutely could. So, Yes. Would you? Will you have another? Would you get another one? Um, I live in. Oh, I live in a ridiculous situation for a sixty-four-year-old woman. I live in a studio flat on Marylebone High Street. Think about twelve. I mean, <laughs> but it's honestly. Same I just Matilda. <laughs> yes. Yes. Yeah. Perfect. Um, I. Um, you know, I'm very lucky in that I do live in uh, in an apartment, and they do allow dogs. I think we're the only block in Marylebone that are dog friendly. Actually, in fact, I think it's because I didn't ask for permission. I just. Yeah. brought her in and so everyone started to bring dogs into the block which I love in fact I, I pressed the lift on Saturday morning and the dog opened in my block and there was this standard black poodle stood there with no owner and I just thought oh I love this I don't know. it was just taking itself out right. it was wonderful um, but oh gosh yes I, I really want um, I won't whilst Matilda's at the age she is which is why it's really interesting when you were saying they get old, they get tired, and they get niggly. Yep. You know, she gets quite short-tempered with other dogs. She gets short-tempered with me, actually, yes. and I think because she's spoiled. Um, so yes, I would, out of respect to her now, she, she's earned time alone with me. But when I start again, I think I will get two, and yes. then add slowly, one yep. at a time. And would you consider getting a rescue dog? Definitely. Sure. And yeah. I, am, I am so ashamed because I, because on the show, you know, we talk so much about where you get a dog from. And I've, I sit there embarrassed at how I got Matilda, even though her breeder was fantastic and I've kept in touch with her siblings and the mother because that was important. But I just... I, I work alongside so many, well, I don't work, I give as much time as I can to charities. All Dogs Matter, Peter Egan, every time Peter he comes. Peter Egan, I love, now, I love that man. Now, Peter Egan, oh. how attractive was he even before the dog thing, <laughs> yeah. even before I knew, I mean, and he has never managed to come on my show without crying. Really? It's a standing joke. He'll come in and then he'll just start to talk about something. And then, and then he'll say, may I read a poem? And we go, yes, Peter, of course. And he just starts crying and I just think, oh, how much do I love this man? He's amazing. That and he, he doesn't... does so oh. much. Have you, have you seen him recently? I saw, no, I didn't because he had Pup Idol. I think he did a, he did a charity thing last weekend and I wasn't there actually. So right. no, I haven't. But he's moved out of London, I think, hasn't he? I, I'm not For sure, his dogs. but he, um, he has recently been in Indonesia visiting an extreme meat market to close down I mean he's he's an extraordinary man I mean apart from he he was the person that actually introduced me to all the issues in Romania mm. and possibly one of the reasons why the foundation was born I mean I was always going to do something but not quite to the extent 
I thought at the time with the foundation and, and, and what we're doing, but he's he's been incredibly supportive of us, the foundation, and the work that we're doing in Romania. But he's also very heavily involved in the dog meat trade in Yulin. And what yeah. I have so much respect for is he actually goes there yeah. and he actually does something about it. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's, it's, it's all great. We can sit here in the comfort of our sofas and talk about the problems in the world with dogs and wherever we go, there are issues. But, you know, he's the most extraordinary man. And he went to this extreme meat market God. because it was being featured on TripAdvisor. Mm. So people, families, we're, I think it was somewhere in Java, don't quote me on that, but you know they were going to this, you know, meat market, animal market as a tourist attraction. As a tourist attraction, and so he was there. Went with um, this another extraordinary woman, Lola, who closes down dog meat farms in South Korea, and they went out to raise awareness and to to actually look at it to sort of. I, I just admire, I really admire him because you know, I mean, I think the last time he came in was to talk about bile bears. Do you remember he did yes. something with bile yep. in China? Was it with in China? Jill Robinson for yeah. Animals Asia, yes. Animal Asia, yeah. yeah. And you Another know. extraordinary woman. Isn't she? Oh, but you know, if you are a high profile figure like he is, it's, you walk a very fine line with keeping everyone happy, do you know what I mean? He yes. he puts his not he doesn't put his career in jeopardy. He can put his brand in jeopardy. That sounds. Awful. I say this as a BBC presenter who sees. I can see people's image. You know how they're thought of in various categories, and he walks this fine line and gets away with it because people are, they do it to me. They go, oh god, she's that mad BBC dog woman. That I have yeah. heard people say that, and I've seen it written about me. But I just don't care. I really don't care. But I think Peter Egan is so bold because he just says, I don't care. I'm sticking to this. Yeah. I now have the profile that I can make people listen and good for him. Yes. I mean, you're in the same category. You, you were a personality well, before you started the foundation. <laughs> no, no, but you were, you had a brand. And I yes. think it's really interesting when you go, okay, I have a status now and I'm going to use it as a mouthpiece. Yes. And we were talking about Ricky Gervais when I came in. He's another one that will do it. Yeah. And he, he's, you know, he will, because he doesn't have a dog and I know his wife very well. And I always say, you know, why don't you have, you support all these charities. He's got cats, hasn't he? They've got cats. Yes. But he says, I'm never in one place long enough and yeah. to have a dog, you know, one day I will. And I just think that is actually really responsible of him. Yeah. But he lends his support He's to incredible. so many. Did you see the film he made for... Soy dog no. for the dog meat trade. No. Who oh. Ricky made one? Yes. Well, it was a very it was a very short film um, to promote well, to promote the dog meat trade, but to raise awareness. And I think he was on it with Judy Dench, Olivia Coleman, um, and two or three other people. And it was literally. I mean, if anything is going to have you in tears, oh, Joe, it's definitely it's worth watching. He's talking about the dog meat trade in Yulin and he's wearing black on a black background as is Judy, as is everyone. And there's not a dog in sight. There's no horror that you see. All you hear are the screams of the dogs behind him. God. I literally, mm. 
you know, makes me mm. <laughs> makes me cry thinking mm. about it. But that's what's so extraordinary about him. You know, he's done so much and raised like Peter Egan. Mm. You know, we're very lucky to have so many amazing people who are willing and the power of social media and and people who, you know, have a voice. And that's what I love about people like Ricky Gervais and 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 Robbie Williams yeah. and Peter Egan and so many extraordinary people and and you you have a voice and to use that voice for the greater good to make our world a better place is truly an extraordinary gift. So thank you, thank you for everything that you do. Oh gosh, Nikki, thank you for asking me to be on this podcast because I will well. So we're both I sitting can, here in tears I now. And I, and I don't know how long this Come podcast, on my podcast is, and but cry. I, I feel like I'm in my happiest place so far this week because I'm just with a like-minded soul. You know, often you just think, oh, God, this media bubble. But it's just so good to be able to just sit on your sofa surrounded by dog art. Um, Sadly, no, no giant dogs right here at the moment. But it's been lovely, really lovely talking to you. And thank you so much for coming on our podcast. Amazing, wonderful Joe Good. So that's our show for today. If you want to share your dog stories, please email info at podpeopleproductions.co.uk or send pictures to at podpeopleuk on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. We'd really love to hear from you. If you like today's show, please subscribe and rate us.